Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is truly good to be here. I'm especially uh, grateful to Pastor Rickle for his gracious invitation to come to St. Andrews since he is at my home church helping to kick off the 50th anniversary celebration. Ironically, it was about 50 years ago that I got my start in this church as a vicar intern. In any case, today is also the epiphany of our Lord. And my text is the gospel, which has just been read, which speaks of the visit of the wise men to the Christ child in Bethlehem. And the question is, what do we see of Jesus through the eyes of these three visitors from the East? The first thing I believe that comes into view is the mission, the mission of Jesus in our world. I want you to know that I like Christmas. And I hope you had a nice one this time around, as did I. At the same time, I think we tend to idealize, maybe romanticize this holiday. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow, a horse-drawn sleigh being pulled up a snow-filled country lane. A nice picture of Christmas but far from the way things really are most of the time. The story of the wise men, on the other hand, brings us much closer to reality. We are told that they came to Jerusalem to see the newborn king of the Jews, but it wasn't King Jesus whom they encountered. It was King Herod. When the wise men started asking around, Where, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? Herod, it says in the text, he was frightened. Actually, he was scared to death that there might be someone in the wings who would topple him from power. People in high places who tell us lies is nothing new. Herod was lying through his teeth when he told the wise men to report back to him as soon as they found the Christ child so that he too could go and worship him. It was a lie. The real object of worship for this man was himself, Herod. And when Herod's nose was out of joint, the rest of Jerusalem had reason to be concerned. For out of the same fear and suspicion that the arrival of Jesus aroused in him, Herod had already murdered two of his wives and several of his children. And therefore it came as no surprise probably to anybody that when the wise men did not return to Jerusalem, Herod ordered his soldiers to ride into little Bethlehem and to snuff out the life of every little child there. 
So the year or the location really doesn't matter. This is the real world into which God miraculously sent his own son. It's the real world in which Jesus not only came but chose to live. It's the real world for which his blood was shed and that he gave up his life for us on the cross and it's the real world to which his resurrection from the grave gives to us and all the world the hope of new life, of something better, not only beyond our own graves, but today. No matter how bleak or hopeless things may look at the moment. That's Jesus' mission. And through the eyes of the wise men, we also see the scope of this same mission. Jesus' mother Mary and Joseph were ordinary people with a Jewish ancestral pedigree. And the shepherds out in the fields were lower class members of the same ancestral family. Well, coming all the way from the east as they did, the wise men clearly state for us that Jesus' birth has a significance far beyond the national boundaries of any land. For you know, God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave us his only begotten son. And just like you and me, every last human being on the face of this earth has been created by God and made in God's own image and is loved by God just as much as each of us. And this is the reason that for the last six years, in, since my retirement of being president of the Southeastern District, uh, I've been working for a worldwide organization called Lutheran World Relief. Um, you know about LWR, headquarters not far from here in Baltimore, and two members of this congregation who are on the governance board, Martha Pedrasanta and Gary Fields, are full-time and highly valued LWR staff members. Lutheran World Relief has been engaging people like us in Lutheran congregations like St. Andrews for a long time, and you see in the picture there we got started by coming to the aid of people in war-torn Europe, 1945, many of whom, like these children, were homeless and on the brink of starvation. Today our work has expanded to about 35 different countries around the world, and we still do plenty of relief work in times when there has been a significant natural disaster overseas, in places like you see there, Puerto Rico, where people are still struggling to recover from those hurricanes that resulted in considerable loss of life and destroyed so much property on that island. This is where LWR quilts, quilts made by Lutherans all across this country and in this congregation, this month, huh, 
These are the places that the quilts are sent, as well as personal care and school kits assembled by groups in congregations like St. Andrews. More of our energy and resources, however, are aimed at those people who are almost always living in abject poverty. Development work, that's the name for this. And what it means is coming alongside small local farmers and helping them to find ways to get themselves out of the miserable conditions in which we are they have been living. We do this by providing them with better seeds and tools for farming, teach them how to improve their farming techniques, look after their sanitation, health care concerns. We organize them into farmer cooperatives, assist them, at least at the beginning, with the marketing of what they grow so that their incomes rise. And they get to that point of standing on their own two feet <laughs> so that they can do other things like send their children to school, sometimes for the first time, and certainly have the hope of a better future. Most recently, uh, Lutheran World Relief has rolled out a number of what we call cornerstone projects that we believe will be of interest to congregations like St. Andrews. These are projects located in a variety of places around the world, Guatemala, Indonesia, Tanzania, and Kenya, and East Africa. And their aim is to work primarily with young people who are engaged in cocoa and coffee farming. Cocoa and coffee, well, these are wonderful cash crops because people almost everywhere, they drink coffee, right? And tend to like chocolate. But these same young people, if they're gonna stay in their communities, if they're going to flourish, not migrate elsewhere, need some training in the business side of farming. And so what you see on the screen uh, is a snapshot of LWR Cornerstone, a coffee project there in Indonesia. A group of young people are engaged in a set of activities designed to build teamwork so that they can identify a shared vision, mission, strategy, a process that will assist them in setting up their own business whether it involves on-farm management or an off-farm enterprise of some kind. And these same young people are often taken into the field, as you can see in another LWR Cornerstone project in Guatemala. And here these young people are learning the art of grafting branches from healthy cacao trees onto lower yielding trees. And what they're seeing for themselves, therefore, is that this leads to higher production, better quality beans, and an income that will enable them to be self-sufficient, to have that hope of a better future.
through the eyes of the wise men, we not only see the mission of Jesus and the scope of that mission in our world, we also are reminded in this text of what it takes to move that mission forward in our world. The text here from Matthew chapter 2 also states that as an expression of their homage, their adoration, their worship, the wise men gave gifts to the Christ child. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not sale items or items under the tree that we might decide to re-gift to somebody else, but the essence of the best and what is costly. In my view, St. Andrews is a congregation that not only knows what the mission of God requires in order to move forward today, but this congregation has always been very generous in support of projects that will make a difference in our world. LWR Cornerstone congregations are asked to make a commitment of $10,000 in order to underwrite a specific project. One of these involves the equipping of young people with business-related skills. The person that's pictured on the slide there is a fellow named Edwin. He's one of 40 agents operating agriculture stores and serving as an advisor for thousands of farmers in his area of Uganda. Another cornerstone option is to direct the $10,000 toward the shipping of those quilts and kits to places overseas where they are desperately needed. Believe it or not, LWR sends well over 400,000 of these quilts made by Lutherans in this country overseas every year. And a cornerstone commitment will get 4,400 of them to places where they're needed. So in closing, I want to uh, thank you here at St. Andrews for your partnership, your relationship with Lutheran World Relief, and for the commitment that you have made in this year's budget toward becoming an LWR Cornerstone congregation. Now that coffee that you drink out there in the lobby and elsewhere in this church, it's LWR Farmer's Market Coffee. <laughs> and by drinking that coffee, you're helping some farmers in Nicaragua get out of poverty. If you want to know some other ways uh, to support LWR, make it a point to stop at the exhibit table before you leave here. Gary Fields will be there. Martha may be there yet as well. They'll tell you what they do at LWR. You might want to sign a contact card to win a bag of that farmer's market coffee as well. I want to say that both Lutheran World Relief and the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew have been richly blessed by this partnership. And so has the mission that God is bringing to our attention once again on this epiphany of our Lord through the eyes 
of the wise men. Amen.